Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert along with rhino in the element wealth studios guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music kicking off a brand new week here rhino we made it yes we did what about the weekend oh it wasn't too bad but yours little soggy <laughs> wasn't bad saturday but it rained out the golf yesterday. Uh-oh. Couldn't do that. So, you know, I was sitting in the house and had a wild hair and decided to sit down and write an article about the debt ceiling debate. Well... As one does. <laughs> exactly. Well, I just checked it. It's 2,200 words. I got a little wordy. But there's a lot to say about this. It's complicated. Meanwhile, here in the state of Mississippi, speaking of the weather, what's it look like for the rest of the week? It's the northern tier of the state. Looks to be in, at risk of some winter weather. Yeah, the uh, northwestern corner of the Magnolia State is where the majority of the attention will be to start the work week, because both this afternoon and tonight, and then again tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night, they got a pretty good chance of sub-freezing temperatures and precipitation and in a configuration that doesn't really equate to nice fluffy snow, but instead <laughs> winds up with ice everywhere. Oh, geez. There's an ice storm warning for DeSoto County and the county surrounding that area of the Magnolia State for tomorrow, well, th- this afternoon into tomorrow night. So I guess that's just an extension of what appears to be uh, quite the Arctic blast, right? It's moving through the central oh, yeah. There's a, part of the country. A big strip of predicted wintry precipitation. It's just in Mississippi, the only the northwesternmost counties and municipalities will be experiencing it. Winter is back with a vengeance. It remember how cold it was prior to Christmas? Bitterly you, cold. Yeah. Have you noticed a lots of the uh, the greenery? I'm a little worried about it returning. I know around my house, a lot of the azaleas look like they took a hit. Pittosporums, clearas, etc. It's typical shrubbery-type plants you have for foundation plantings. They don't look good. I, I hope they just got shocked by the cold and will return. 
I'm no expert on that, but I've broken apart the branches and looked, and there's you can see green. Normally, that's what I've heard. If you see green in there, it means the plants surviving, surviving right. Whether Just or not, not it'll, necessarily thriving. Yeah. So I'm hoping when it gets warm, it'll push out new growth. But if you noticed around the landscape of the state, it's pretty noticeable that. Yeah, because I mean the uh, the flora of the Magnolia State isn't really used to subarctic temperatures for longer than just short bursts. Right. I mean, a lot of the plants you see around across the Magnolia State they can handle freezing temps for a night, maybe even two nights. But you get a string of it about a week long, and they're just going. You know what? I'm out. Drop yeah. everything. I'm worried about it. Would be a bonanza for those in the nursery business, in the lawn and garden business, selling new plants to replace those that didn't survive the winter. Jeez. I hope that's not the case. But it was really cold as we approached Christmas. You remember that, the last few days? Oh, I imagine we are, and I'm going to jinx it by saying this, but we are only a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks away from a good bitter cold snap. Oh, please. We always have one in either January or February. <laughs> well, that's true. And January's about done. Right. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> too late for now. but Yeah. Speaking of which, being done with January, we've got the uh, governor scheduled to deliver a state of the state address this evening, correct? I believe so. I think it's going to get underway at 5, or at least that's the scheduled start. Probably be a little later than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, right around then. Are we uh, – I know we're going to report on it. Are we going to Yes, Super Talk Mississippi News will have it live online, I believe, on their Facebook page or on the website or both, probably both. Okay. And then uh, there will be live reporting on it on social media, and I think they're even going to have the recap. Okay, so we'll look forward to what uh, Governor Tate Reeves has to say about the state of Mississippi and state of the state and legislative and uh, policy priorities that he'll certainly lay out. And it is my understanding that Democrat candidate for governor of the great state of Mississippi, currently the public service commissioner for the Northern District, Brandon Presley, will deliver a response, kind of like in the style of the presidential State of the Union address, where the opposing party selects a spokesperson to deliver a response. I don't know that I can remember seeing that in the past. Have you? I mean, they've had the Democrat response in the past, but the Democrat Party in the Magnolia State has been in such shambles in the last decade that they haven't had a primary... Yeah governor's race opponent that they could put out there to give the response. Yeah, I I can't remember, I guess I should clarify, uh, that coming from a candidate for the office, for the office of governor. And it could be, I'd have to do some checking, that whomever ran as a Democrat announced after that, perhaps. It's fair to say. So, because Brandon Presley... Kind of got out of the shoot there relatively early. But he, of course, making the rounds and making waves, and it would not shock me if we don't see a little rhetoric coming from the governor targeting his uh, likely general election opponent, 
on the Democrat ticket, that being Brandon Presley. And I, you know we'll hear a, a heaping helping of it from uh, Brandon Presley <laughs> blasting the governor. You feel like that'll be the case? I do. Yeah, it'll be a, a mix of prepared remarks that he he believes will be talked about, and he's already got it. He's already got his wordsmithing done to make him sound better or smarter. And then you'll have another bit of it that is direct response to what's stated in the state of the state. Yeah, exactly. Mike from Madison says, yes, the opposing party has always done a response to Mississippi. Yeah, Mike, again, I clarify, coming from a candidate for governor for the office, I can't remember the last time I saw that. You're right, Mike. I acknowledge that. That typically comes from usually a high-ranking member of the legislature. I just can't remember that a, that a candidate for the office would deliver the response. Sure, it happened. I just I don't recall. If it has, it's been a minute. Yeah. So that will be interesting. And then, of course, it is end of the day Wednesday. Is that correct? Last day to file for office in Mississippi? I've heard some conflicting reports in there. Is it up to February 1st or through February the 1st that one can qualify? Until 5 p.m. on Wednesday, February 1st. Okay, so we had that right to start with. So there might be some fireworks between now and then. Uh, It is our understanding that Senator Chris McDaniel from Jones County is, uh, is has an event, an announcement. He's not, at this point, that I'm aware of, not formally, formally indicated the office which he intends to seek, but it's widely speculated that it will be as a candidate for lieutenant governor. And that is scheduled for uh, just less than an hour from now, I believe, right? At 11 o'clock today, and I think he also has an event down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, perhaps at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, sometime later on today. So we shall see what we can find out while we're here on the air as to what uh, that's all about. That'll be interesting to watch that. There's been speculation that uh, Bill Waller, could throw his hat in the ring, but I've seen that come in the form of him repeating as a candidate as uh, on the Republican side, or perhaps running as an independent. Wow, that would muck things up, wouldn't it? That'd be kind of fun, <laughs> if you could call it that. So we may have some other surprises as well. Today, at 11.05, Shawaski Young, you remember him, he ran for Congress for Mississippi's third congressional district just a few months ago. Now he is a candidate for Mississippi Secretary of State. He'll join us in the Element Well Studios as the Rolling Stones bump us out of the first segment. Just getting started here with a new day, brand new week, coming right back. Back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. (laughs) 
us aspiring drummers of the 60s as I was. They had to master Wipeout, of course. But the Ventures, the Ventures had like, what, 14 guitars in the band or something? <laughs> That's pretty good, though, isn't it? If you could do that, that was pretty much kind of the at least the initial entry-level test that you might have a chance to play a little drums that didn't sound bad, didn't run everybody off when you played them. <laughs> then you had to do any God of Davida to get in the well, Super Secret Club. exactly right. Uh, that's right. Oh, gosh. You better. <laughs> the only problem with that is you might need to consume an energy bar before you sit down and play that one because it's about like 10 minutes solo or something. you got to have one of those pit crews come in there and like, <laughs> like get in your corner like at a boxing match and wipe down the sweat and give you a squirt <laughs> from the water right. bottle. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, uh, let's see. What is man, uh, Ben from Madison says? While a running is an independent, would really shake things up. Personally, I don't think he stands a chance against Governor Reeves in the primary. That being said, I fully expect Governor Reeves to coast to his second term. I do, too. Honestly, Ben, I think that that uh, the Democrat candidate, Brandon Presley, will probably receive the, the typical percentage of the vote that is represented by registered Democrats in the state. What's that, around 40 percent or so? He, he may pull off a few more than that. The, there are the possibility of, I think, some things that could perhaps work in his favor a little bit. And I, I would argue that that centers around the health care scenario in the state. And what I mean by that is if a hospital or two shudder between now and the election, that could figure in some to the degree uh, that it might, I don't know, I hesitate to estimate that, enough to sway the election in favor of uh, Brandon Presley? I don't think so. But there's no doubt that's an issue that needs to be addressed, and there are a lot of different opinions on how to do that, and uh, those will likely be, that, that is an issue, I should say, that will likely be hotly debated and contested. I think Brandon Presley is likely to really force it at the top of the list as much, if not more than anything. The other big issue that I think he's come out discussing, touting, is the elimination of the of sales taxes on groceries. That is really seems like been foisted into the foreground of debatable issues here in the state. Now, my personal f- feeling on this is that this is really to, I guess come up with a different approach on reducing taxes, the tax burden to the citizens of Mississippi, whereas Republicans, for the most part, there are some exceptions, uh, certainly on the Senate side, but no question on the House side from Republican leadership, Speaker Gunn, Speaker Pro Tem, Jason White, Trey Lamar, head of the Ways and Means. We've asked them all on the program here since... The session began in early January. 
about elimination of the income tax and starting with the speaker, and yeah, top priority. So, and the governor has indicated as well his his desire to rid the state of the income tax. I think Brandon Presley is going to say, no, a better option is to eliminate the grocery sales tax because that would impact more people in a, in a greater way. Those at the lower end of the income spectrum is what I think he's going, or has been, arguing. It would uh, ensnare more people, if you will, in a, in, a, uh, in a positive way. That's the argument there, that eliminating the income tax, of course, helps people who make more income and thus pay taxes on that income. Of course, they buy groceries, but it represents a lower component of their spending and, and their income than a lower-income person who likely spends more of their money on groceries. And Mississippi is one of the few states, I think, remaining that still does tax groceries at the full sales tax rate. Many don't levy sales taxes at all on groceries. And and that's sort of defined as non-prepared foods, I believe, is the way usually that is termed and papered up. So we'll see where that goes. That, that will be an, an interesting contrast as well that will certainly get a lot of attention. Andy and Jackson says, I first heard of the Ventures watching Hawaii Five-O. Book them, Deno. <laughs> yeah, I think they did the theme song, right? The Ventures produced and recorded the Hawaii Five-O theme song. You see that? I believe that's true. And it sounds very Ventures-like if you think about the sound... Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Gary in the Berg said, Democrats think they can flip Mississippi due to the high percentage of minorities here and young voters who break two to one for Democrats expect lots of outside money to pour in. I think there's some truth to that, Gary, whether whether or not that's sufficient to win. I, I don't think it is, honestly. I, I'm going to say it's it's not, but... Apparently, Brandon Presley has hired a fairly heavyweight campaign manager, I believe ran the campaign for the North Carolina governor. Name escapes me, but I think I saw a report on that. And uh, you would think that he would likely receive some funding, campaign contributions from out-of-state resources. If their polls show that winning is achievable, I think if they don't and the gap is too large in their polling, I'm not so sure that they invest a lot. That would be an investment that wouldn't produce a good return for them. They may conserve their assets, their resources, for another fight, perhaps 2024 cycle coming up. Got to do it all over again. It's hard to believe in the House. And 34 seats, I believe, will be contested in the U.S. Senate. And 
23 of those, as I recall from memory, are sen- senators, or pardon me, Democrats, Democrats, who um, come from states where they're, they're vulnerable. Many of them do. And so that will be, I think, where the focus will be, rather than a, a governor's race. Now, no doubt, flipping the governor in the state of Mississippi for the Democrats would be just a, a huge victory. A huge one. It's because it's just not likely. The map doesn't set up for it. And the, the uh, registered voter composition doesn't. It's a state where the Republicans have the trifecta, meaning super majorities in both houses. Uh, every statewide elected position and most of the district-level positions. Public service in the north, transportation in the central. Best I can recall would be the exceptions. So we'll see how much money they're willing to uh, flood Mississippi with. Many Mississippians on the ceasefire tax line are tired of the good old boy politics that was made famous by Haley Barber. Tate Reeves is a direct result of these practices. You may be surprised as to how much support Dr. John Witcher will have in this race. So I guess the first question I would ask is, give me a better feeling more specifically. What is, quote, good old boy Politics. And I say that with all seriousness because you hear that term tossed around casually, Rhino. But when I ask people, what do you mean exactly? Can you give me like a bill number, for example, a policy, an edict, an order, a directive? I don't get anything. That's what matters. I don't really care, you know, how many dinners they have. I care about laws, policies, orders. Appointments, etc. The running of many of these agencies. I'd be curious to know, as far as Dr. John Witcher is concerned, he is a candidate. I, yeah, maybe he will get a lot of support. I don't know. I haven't seen any polls to this point, but it won't be even remotely close uh, enough to defeat Tate Reeves in a primary. Not even close. I would... I would guess he'll get single digits. We're taking a break right here. Coming back. Stay with us. Started today. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middays. That would be the great Randy Bachman of Bachman Turner Overdrive, a Canadian guitarist and vocalist and songwriter, I believe. 
You know, he was founding member of the Guess Who. You know that? Didn't I know that? Yeah, that's him. There were some Canadian lads. Remember the song American Woman? They did? Oh, yeah. Read the lyrics on that, and it's it's a rather scathing indictment of a Canucks relationship with an American woman there across the border. Yeah, Randy Bachman. We are back, of course, in the Element Well Studios. Let's see, on the ceasefire text line, good old boy politics that Barber did was he got Lott and Cochran to retire midterm so he could pick their successors. Huh? Trent Lott was forced to retire for gushing at Strom Thurmond's birthday party. Yes. For praising a segregationists. Yes. Had nothing to do with Haley Barber. As far as Thad Cochran, he didn't retire midterm, and he was not appointed. And Cindy Hyde Smith, who was appointed to take his position, was not appointed by Haley Barber. It was appointed by Phil Bryant. And that was not based on any influence of Haley Barber. Senator Cochran, of course, passed away while in office. I think I got that progression correct there, the sequence correct. So I don't I don't know where that's coming from. Cindy Hyde Smith, the senator, the present senator, served out the remainder of the term and then ran for reelection in uh, 2020. I think that's the correct year. She would be up for re-election as a senator in 2026. Hmm. There's just... I, I think there's always been a lot of speculation about the so-called good old boy stuff. And I, I, I just can't put my finger on it. Exactly what does that mean? And do you have any evidence or proof of that? And normally... I don't get anything. So that that's certainly not. That, that, that was wrong. And so when you get a statement... Well, Cochran did retire a year he, before his death, he, but it was due to failing health. Well, that yeah, right. He didn't die in office. He retired when he was ill and really felt unable to carry out the duties. If I'm not mistaken, was at that point pretty much immobile and largely bedridden for the remainder, stepped down. So... I mean, he was he was he was old at the time, so that um, I don't think that surprised whatsoever. But I, I don't, I, I'm not in the camp that just says, yeah, that was just all orchestrated behind the scenes. I personally think that was Governor Phil Bryant's decision exclusively. I don't know that it um, was influenced in knowing the governor, the former governor, fairly well. He's a fairly independent thinker in that respect. I'll say that in my experience working with him, that you can certainly provide input and influence, but if he feels a certain way very strongly about 
certain decisions, he's likely to just go with his his gut, his feeling, which is, I think, what good leaders do. Consume all the input, solicit, consume all the input, make a decision. Sometimes that that may conflict, but you, you still make that decision, you know, as a leader. And it's it's tough sometimes to make to stand alone. I'm not saying he did that in this case, but I'm just basically sharing my view of the way he operates and the way he makes decisions. So I think it was Douglas MacArthur that said that was a leadership, one of the three traits of leadership. The courage to make the tough decisions, the confidence to stand alone, and the ability to understand the needs of others. I think I plagiarized that a bit. I think I got that fairly close to what he said. You see that? Three traits of leadership. General Douglas MacArthur, of course, of World War II era. He's the one that tried to persuade Harry Truman to just keep on rolling through Russia, that they were ultimately be our most ardent foe. He was right about that. Whether or not it made sense to to uh, invade Russia and start shooting them up, not sure. We're not an imperialistic nation. We weren't provoked uh, requiring such a military response. But he he did uh, he did try to persuade him of that. Largely believed, at least. Truman said no. Hmm. What else we got here on the ceasefire text line? Ben from Madison reads, Reeves needs to be more relatable. Brandon Presley will lose, but he is more relatable than Hood was to Mississippians. I think Reeves needs to attack Presley's policies more than just screaming he's an AOC and Pelosi liberal. Charlie from Hickory Flat, Mississippi says, I think that Biden needs to step out, too. He's already crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people that would uh, be with you on that, Charlie. I think it's Senator Melanie Sojourner has a resolution, a Senate resolution, that would prohibit anyone in Mississippi from seeking office who's uh, above the age of 75, 75 or older, I believe, is the way the resolution uh, is worded. And honestly, I'd have to look at it closely. I don't know if that applies to all elected officials, anyone that would be on the ballot in Mississippi, or just those at the statewide level. I don't know if it applies to members of the legislature. Pretty sure, however, it's designed to target Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, who... I believe it's either presently 75 years old or will be so at the time of the election. Such a Senate resolution. That has to be, I believe it has to be a resolution, Rhino, because we would have to amend the Constitution. So it's a resolution that would have to pass both houses, be referred to a statewide ballot, and then voted on by voters and would amend the Constitution if it uh, passed. What do you see? 
Uh, it looks like it goes in and changes the uh, rules for the House of Representatives, the State Senate, the Governor, any Office of Judge of the Supreme Court, any Secretary of State, and I believe that is the limit to which the changes are applied. Okay, so no federal offices that you see? All right. So Donald Trump, for example, would he wouldn't be eliminated as a result of this. Correct. If he happens to be on the ballot in 2024, just looking out. So House, Senate, statewide offices, that's what you see? Yeah. Okay. And I think it does say 75 or older on Election Day? Well, it adds the line, because it usually says, no person shall be a member of the House of Representatives, for example, who shall not have attained the age of 21 and who shall not be a qualified elector of the state. Okay. This concurrent resolution would insert the language, no person shall be a member of the House of Representatives who shall not have attained the age of 21 years, who shall be 75 years of age or older at the time of the election. Okay. Which would be Election Day, time of the election. So House, Senate, statewide offices. Interesting. Dan in Tate County says, good old boy. Example, Hazard County politics from Dukes of Hazard Put family and buddies before all others. Well, be specific. What do you mean by that, Dan? What do you, what do you mean? I'm, I'm not suggesting you're wrong here. I'm just, I'm just looking for some hard examples of that. Also, Dan asks, is Medicaid expansion a good or a bad thing? Well, that depends on who you talk to, Dan. There are proponents of it and opponents of it. Mike from Madison reminds, he is 75 now, talking about Lieutenant Governor. I, I couldn't remember if he'd already attained that age or not. But it's Merle Haggard popping us out of this final, or next to the final segment in the first hour of middays. It's a Monday. We're just getting cranked up. Shawaski Young, candidate for Mississippi Secretary of State at 11.05. Please stay with us. Sing a little bit of these working man blues. It's song for the working man. Mississippi. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone to midday Super Talk Mississippi. Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. You know, we also got a new newsletter, Super Talk Mississippi News this week in Mississippi newsletter. You'll get all the news stories you need to know from the most powerful name in Mississippi news delivered to your email inbox. To sign up for free, go to supertalk.fm newsletter. It's pretty good. I've been, uh, I'm a subscriber, of course, and 
been receiving the newsletter, the news department, doing a good job with that. We appreciate it. So Senator Lott, by the way, I got uh, a text on that, just reminding of uh, the history there. He was reelected in 06 to the U.S. Senate. He, he announced his resignation in November during the first year of that term, that six-year term announced that he would resign at the end of the year, of 07. And then it was Senator Trent Lott. Uh, pardon me, Senator Roger Wicker was then appointed and took office at, at some point, I believe, during 08. See the history on that, uh, Rhino? I believe that's I got that right. At some point during 08, <laughs> Governor Barber appointed the present senator, Senator Roger Wicker, to replace Senator Lott, he having stepped down. And yeah, it it again, Rhino's right, it, it, that goes back to some comments he made on Strom Thurmond's 100th birthday. That was back in 2002. And I believe after that, he was, uh, he was excoriated for those comments and stepped down from being the uh, majority, leader. majority leader, yeah, most powerful Republican in the Senate with the Senate under Republican control, control at that point. So he stepped down from being the majority leader on December 5th. He, uh, pardon me, he spoke on December 5th. He stepped down uh, on January the 3rd. 2003, shortly after that. Jeez. And then Bill First, to, uh, Frist, Frist, pardon me, of Tennessee, took over as uh, the Senate Majority Leader. Mike from Madison reminds that Lieutenant Governor Hoseman is presently 75. Okay, appreciate that. So if this resolution, of course, how does that work, Rhino? Because I don't see how you could get that resolution passed and enacted uh, not enacted, but uh, an amendment made to the Constitution prior to the election. It would be on the ballot at the same time. Maybe I'm missing something there. So It's political patty cake because she's upset that her district got drawn out. Okay. That's all it is. David says, and Senator Wicker is Trent Lott's clone. Hmm. Along with the limit, require them to take monthly lie detector tests on the ceasefire text line. Major, matter of fact, I think the majority of the IHL board was appointed by the good old boy system. Well, the IHL board, in accordance with law, every member of that board is appointed by the governor. So I don't know what that means, the good old boy system. My view on the appointments, if you have issues with that, 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 that starts with not electing the people who make the appointments. You, you empower them with that authority when you elect them. That's, that's the way our system works. If you don't like that system, and there have been some proposals to change that, as a matter of fact. I believe Representative Trey Lamar offered, as you recall, Rhino, such a bill last year that would change the way the IHL board members are appointed taking away all the appointments from 
the governor, I'm just trying to recall the bill. It's been over a year now. And I think it would set it up much the way the Department of Ed board is appointed, where the governor has so many, the lieutenant governor and the speaker. So it's distributed across the three top leaders in government in that respect. So my suggestion is, if if folks aren't happy with the way the system works, well, advocate for change to the system through your reps and senators. That's the way the, the process is designed to work. I don't think we can just sit back and say, well, that's the good old boy system. That's, that's just really doesn't do anything. It may make you feel good for a second or two because you pointed fingers elsewhere and maybe let go of some steam, but it's not really moving the needle. CCR taking us out of the first hour of middays, coming back with Shawaski Young. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone middays hour two of the program we're in the element well studios kicking off a brand new week don't forget it's monday so super talk outdoors comes up hosted by our good friend ricky matthews at 1205 today joining us now shawaski young candidate for mississippi secretary of state shawaski good to see you how's it going today Jordan, how you doing this morning? It's going great. I tell you, up here in Neshoba County, it's a little rainy, but we're getting through it. Yeah, I hear you. Raining uh, across, I believe, the uh, state of Mississippi. We were just talking about that. So I guess my first question is, what uh, prompted you to throw your hat in the ring here to run for Secretary of State? And, and more specifically, how did, how did you come to choosing that office? I felt like, given your um, candidacy yeah. for Congress for the 3rd District, and uh, this past November that you likely would find yourself in another race. How'd you come up with this one? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I started my career out at the Secretary of State's office when I was a senior at Jackson State University before I graduated. I was there as an intern in the Public Lands Division, and that was during the tenure of Dr. Eric Clark. And after graduation, I was hired as Director of Marketing and Training. Uh, That was in the Elections Division and the Education and Publications Division. Uh, and I kept that role uh, for quite some time and also worked under uh, Lieutenant, now Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman uh, for its stint as well at that particular office. So I've worked in three different divisions at the Secretary of State office earlier on in my uh, political career when, or governmental career when I first started out. I know the, uh, the, the office very well, still know a lot of people who actually work there, care deeply about the particular state. 
Um, and look, I'm a community organizer at, at hand first. I believe in giving people the information that they need to be able to be empowered to vote, uh, knowing what those specific offices represent. Uh, and also, of course, making sure that we're managing our tax profited property and also our tie lands. Uh, in the other areas of the Secretary of State, like charities and business services properly. So I know a lot about the office. It's where I got my first start at. Uh, I've worked on the both Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, I've, I thought long and hard about how uh, I can continue to help this particular state. Uh, we didn't see the result that we wanted to see in the congressional race. And I did a lot of praying. I talked to you about that uh, over the course of that end of that election. And, look, I want to come back, make sure let folks know that here I'm here to stay and that I'm uh, committed to making sure that we move Mississippi forward in a very uh, progressive uh, fashion. And I mean progressive by saying advancing our state economically, advancing our state socially, and bringing more big business to our particular state uh, and being on the top and not the bottom. Okay. So uh, you presently reside in Neshoba County. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And um, so how long have you been in Mississippi? Give us a little bit about your, your background there. Sure. So I am a fifth generation Mississippian, born, raised, educated right here in a particular state, uh, graduated from East Central Community College, graduated from Jackson State University uh, and spent my entire life here uh, and also have worked in different places around the country and always maintained residence right here in the state. Uh, the place that I love is which, the, which my heart has always been. And that was even something that I talked about in 2017 um, with East Central Community College when they featured me uh, on their particular magazine for spring editions. Uh, so this state I love, state I've always been a part of. Uh, the state that I want to represent statewide now. If you were to be elected, uh, Shawaski, to the position, to the office of Secretary of State, what would be your priorities? Well, one of the things that we have to do, first and foremost, is we have to be able to improve our election system here in the state. Look, in this last election, no matter if you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, the bottom line is lowest voter turnout in the entire country during the 2022 election. Only about close to 33% of folks in Mississippi who were able to vote actually voted. Like That is a failure on our actual part as a state and as our electorate needs to be more informed about when these elections are, getting people more access to the ballot. That means making sure that we have early voting in this particular state. I know that's something that we're going to have to work with the state legislature in order to do, but I do believe folks out there want to make it easier for for folks to vote and not harder. I want to make sure we also have proper online registration in our particular state, making sure that people have the ability to register to vote uh, and making sure that it's easier to vote and not harder. Uh, number three, I want to make sure, absolutely make sure that we are managing our particular budgets, how we should be managing those particular budgets here in a particular state. What I'm talking about specifically uh, is as it relates to charities in the secretary of state's office. We all know that uh, as our state auditor, uh, White has already said he was on HBO Real Time Sports uh, last week or so. And he stated that this is was the largest public uh, uh, fund scandal in the state of Mississippi's history. That's been under the watch of Republican leadership. And that's not the dog to Republican out, a Republican, uh, Republican Party out. That's to just be honest about what actually happened. When over $100 million uh, are ill-spent within our particular state, obviously it's time for new leadership. And Brett Barr, of course, is who I'm specifically talking about uh, specifically. Look, the charities in which the Secretary of State's office managed specifically uh, follow the auspice of those particular uh, regulations of the Secretary of State. They have the right and also the duty to make sure that folks who are raising money for charities are spending that money accordingly to what that charity is actually looking for. Has, so, has uh, an investigation know, not been done already, though, by the Secretary of State, or Michael Watson? Well, look, well, look, well, look 
one thing we know for sure is that people are are not being prosecuted in this particular area. One thing we know for sure is that there is no accountability for the consequences or, or, or acknowledgement of consequences that have actually happened in this particular time. We haven't seen enough. The country hasn't seen enough. The people in North Mississippi, Central Mississippi, and South Mississippi definitely haven't seen enough. We want to make sure that people are being held accountable. And that's why when I announced my candidacy on the steps of the Capitol uh, on January the 10th, what I said in that particular uh, statement, and this went all over the country, picked up by AP and a lot of other folks, is on the first day of my office, I'm going to meet with the FBI, I'm going to meet with the United States Attorney, I'm going to meet with the State Auditor, and we're going to open up a, a proper investigation to make sure we get to the bottom of what actually happened and that people are held accountable for it and that we, so we can restore trust uh, within the communities here in Mississippi and also our national reputation. We owe that to the taxpayers of Mississippi. So do you feel like that the investigation that's been conducted by Secretary of State Michael Watson has really not met the mark? You feel like there's something missing there? It's, it's lacking uh, and that you need well, to uh, ratchet that up? Absolutely, I think it's lacking. You know, when we look at what's actually happened, when we look at the facts that are at hand, when we look at the people who are involved, whether we're talking about Governor Tate Reeves, Phil Bryant, whether we're talking about people who are in the Secretary of State's office, like the Michael Watson actually leads it, obviously they're not pushing this how they should be. If they did, we'd see more action and accountability actually happening. The people want to see that. The people deserve to see that. And I'm committed to making that happen if I'm Secretary of State. Look, this is not just because folks are Republican. No one is attacking anything. We owe the public good an opportunity to have justice in this particular area. Hmm. Let's go back to voting. That's obviously a major response. Elections, a major responsibility of the Secretary of, of State's office. Are are you pleased with the the present uh, voting and elections process in Mississippi? Other than the early voting, but let's say voter ID requiring uh, photographic identification of the voter. Would you like to see that changed, uh, strengthened, uh, perhaps loosen some of those restrictions? Where do you stand? Look, I think that people need to be able to prove who they are. Look, election integrity is, is, is absolutely important. There's nothing wrong with people having to present an ID uh, to actually go vote. Now, and I think that that should be happening. I think that also when we're talking about uh, how elections have been ran and what the current laws are in our particular state, look, we have election commissioners out there that are actually following the law that basically said, hey, you know, if you have not voted in the last couple of elections because of this new law, we're purging you from the voter rolls. We saw that happen in African-American communities where election commissioners who were African-American, they purged those people. But there are over 10,000 folks who were purged as because of that in Mississippi. And a lot of folks in other communities were not purged. Why is that? Right. So we want to make sure that there is clear understanding of how elections should be ran. And look, this is what I used to do with the secretary of state's office when I was director of marketing and training. Part of my job was to go around the state along with the attorney general's office and train the 410 election commissioners to get certified to run elections. That's literally what I did uh, for a living. And I want to make sure that people who are running elections in our state know exactly uh, what they're actually doing and how they should be doing and making sure the standards that are put forth for people to be voting uh, are adhered to. And I also want to make sure that poll workers who are spending time out of their busy schedules to do their duty to this country to help run those elections are, are paid a little bit more. You know, and there have been past elections where, you know, we didn't spend the proper amount of money that we could have spent relative to what other states were spending in order to get people who are, are there to be poll watchers and poll workers and things of that nature. I want to make sure that the state is giving all that they can for those folks who are willing to make that sacrifice. For 
So just want to go back to something you said, make sure I understand. Do you, do you believe that there's been discrimination involved in the purging of the roles? If you if you want to hang around, we got a break right here, Shawaski, and we can come back on the other side of that and continue that yeah, discussion. Okay. Absolutely. We've got uh, Shawaski Young. He's a candidate for Mississippi Secretary of State. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. With Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Let's do it. everyone midday super talk mississippi live from the element wealth studio we've got uh, mr shawaski young a candidate for mississippi secretary of state so we were just talking before we went to break there shawaski about uh trying to clean up the voter rolls I, I i get the sense from you that you believe that that is a uh, a worthy effort that that's something that needs to be done but uh, i i caught you mentioned that you thought perhaps that in practice there's been some discrimination where the the black folks in the black communities have been uh, i guess purged from the roles at a greater rate than in in uh white communities or non-black communities is is that your your contention my contention is that i believe that those folks who were election commissioners that were african american american did their jobs is that they actually Follow what the actual rules of the second training of the Secretary of State's office was mm-hmm. to purge people from the voter rolls who um, had maybe not voted in the last couple of elections. That was that was her job. What I'm saying is that there is reason to believe that that didn't happen in other communities across the state. Okay. When you look at the amount of people who are registered on the rolls versus who are not, who are African American versus who are not, you see a clear disparity there, and that's something that we've looked at very closely. So we want to make sure that people are actually doing their jobs correctly. We want to make sure that people are uh, there to be uh, on the voter rolls, and they should be. Now, I don't even agree with the fact that we should be purging people from the voter rolls if they haven't voted in the last two elections. Uh, we don't know what the number of reasons for that was. And I think that's why something like early voting is so important in our particular state that we have an oppor- that we give people an opportunity to vote way ahead of deadline, uh, way, way ahead of election day uh, to help with their schedules, whether they're nurses or teachers or folks who. I work on uh, the road cleanups and things of that nature. We want to make sure that folks feel comfortable that they have an ample time to vote and also that they're not missing elections. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So would you support uh, no excuse early voting? Because we, we do have a mechanism to early vote in Mississippi if you have a valid reason for it. 
that that you can provide and and you can vote or I've done it before I've been out of town for various business uh, purposes and and uh, it's pretty straightforward not that hard to do so would you be in favor of no excuse early early voting I'm in favor of early voting as a whole giving people at least 45 days uh, prior to the election to be able to go to their polling locations it's like election day other step early voting. That way we give people opportunity to have the highest advantage to go in vote. Uh, we shouldn't be putting people in positions to say, if you can't do it this way, then you can't go vote this way or all these particular matters. We want to be able to expand the vote. And I think that that is something that the Republican Party knows if we do that and our folks get an opportunity, and not just the African-American community, but all folks, folks who are hardworking blue-collar workers every day, uh, that don't have, you know, always the uh, ability uh, to get out there on election day and vote and may not qualify under one of the extenuating uh, circumstances that allow you to go actually uh, vote absentee. We want to make it easier, just like other states. And I think if we do that, we are doing our due diligence and our due diligence to hold up the Constitution and give people the right to vote for their equal and opportunity of representation. Are, are you familiar with some uh, some examples, some real-life examples of people who said, I wanted to vote, but I, I just couldn't do it? I couldn't get there on Election Day, and I didn't have a valid reason to vote early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that oftentimes if you get out there, and like, like I have in the community, and you talk to folks about why they didn't go vote, look, you will hear uh, the other examples of, man, I just don't feel my vote actually counts. But in often situations, look, there are people out there that just were not able to get off work and go vote. There were people out there that may have medical uh, situations that came up on that particular day where they were not able to vote that was unforeseen. And we need to be able to extend that particular opportunity and period of voting where people have an opportunity to get out there and vote Monday through Saturday. Uh, it wouldn't be something that hasn't been done in other particular states. And I think that as a state of Mississippi who has a record the past in our dark history of voter suppression uh, and voter oppression, that we want to be able to make the country see that, look, that's not who we are anymore. We want people to have access to the ballot in every way that they can while we maintain the integrity of our free elections here in the state of Mississippi. And I think that's something that people who are willing uh, and able uh, to understand the dynamics that everyone has a different lifestyle that they're actually living on a daily basis that they actually want to be able to uh, exercise their right to vote in every way possible, whether that's a mail-in ballot, whether that's early voting, or even absentee voting for that particular matter. So I think that this is important for the state, especially with coming out of an election year where we just saw uh, Mississippi have the lowest voter turnout in the entire country. Imagine what that would have been if we were a state like Georgia or a state uh, in other places that actually have early voting, where by the time we come into election night, hey, we have 20 to 30 percent of the electorate that has already voted and participated because they had the best opportunity and uh, instance to particular participate in these particular elections. I think that's what Mississippi needs. I think that's what a lot of folks want. Um, and those that probably don't want it know that if we give people the opportunity to vote uh, in an expanded way, uh, then, you know, they may not be in office. And that's probably kind of scary to them. I think we can all acknowledge that particular point. You know, it, it's it's so interesting to me because uh, Georgia, the state of Georgia, was front and center to some degree with respect to alleged voter suppression, and they actually extended and expanding, as you indicated, uh, the opportunity to vote in, in many uh, situations, and even greater than uh, those in the deep blue states. 
Uh, yet, in, in light of this last election, we still hear from the Democrats that voter suppression is still alive and well in the state of Georgia, yet they had substantial, if I'm not mistaken, record turnout. I, it just seems like it's never enough to me. And uh, while I'm disappointed, as you are, that we had extremely low, the lowest in the country turnout, I'm not so sure in Mississippi, I'm not so sure it's because of the fact that without an excuse to vote early, you have to cast your vote on Election Day. I'd like to see more evidence that that's why. I think it's more a function of what you also mentioned, which is people just don't think their vote matters. So I think that you have a great point there. I I think that any time that we have advancements, we're we're also going to have anecdotal experiences or anecdotal situations where there's setbacks as well. Look, we have to be able to account as best we can for all that as leaders of the public good. I think here in Mississippi, depending on who you are, what your experience is, what your experience in America has been, what what your experience in Mississippi has been, there is apprehension out there about people having the right to vote. I think that we need to be able to alleviate Wait a second. Wait a I got to stop you there. I apologize for interrupting you. So you think you're saying that there are people right here in the state of Mississippi that have shared with you that they are not sure whether or not they have the right to vote. I mean, that's what I heard you say there. Is that is that your position? There are, there are people here. There are there are people here in Mississippi that are. And this is a, a publication. There are twenty franchising crimes that are actual state law books that says that this will absolutely disenfranchise disenfranchise you from your right to vote. People are not sure about things like that, so they de facto don't go vote. Now that is a issue that the Democratic Party and the Republican Party and also our state share responsibility in that we inform the public about how they can go vote and why they should be able to go vote so we can minimize the agitation and the concern within the community so folks actually feel comfortable going, going to vote. I think that's absolutely a fact. And to discount wow. that particular point, I think Jim denies, you know, what the experiences of people in the state have been. So are there any examples you could share? And I'm talking about in, in modern times, yeah. where folks have been uh, suppressed, intimidated, uh, prohibited from exercising their right to vote, provided that they uh, meet all the qualifications to vote. Are there some examples you can provide to us with that? Sure. One of the immediate examples is that we can't control what employers actually do on their own jobs and privately owned businesses. If you have people in that particular workplace that clearly vote are, are voting one specific way and you know this is open, you know that this is a particular known as a red state and that you know that you're going to actually go out there and vote for someone who is in opposition to that particular candidate and they know that you are as well, too. There is an immediate uh, feeling of anxiety about whether or not I can actually go vote. Now, is that something that you can actually document and say, oh, this is the way people are, are feeling? No, but you can actually talk to people and they tell you that these particular things actually exist. And I think we have to acknowledge that. Well, I, uh, okay, fair enough. If if any of those folks that have shared that with you would be willing to come on the program, I sure would like to talk to them. I'd like to hear from somebody that says, yeah, I tried to vote and I just couldn't. I was disallowed. I was I was blocked from voting uh, because that's that's pretty well, that's serious. Well, I'm not that's sure not, what you're talking about. If it's an attitude, even if it's just a kind of a sentiment or an attitude or an opinion that they mm-hmm. hold, if they feel like that, hey, the system really doesn't really want me to vote, or it it's uh, set up so that it's more difficult for me to vote. I'd like to hear from somebody that would make that statement. Well, I'll tell you what, that's why, that's why, well, that's a good point in a, in a, in a fair ask. 
Most folks aren't going to want to do that. That's why folks like me are running who can represent their particular okay. interests so I can come in places like this. Well, I hope you understand it, it just it doesn't really rise to the level, level of credibility when it's just hearsay and nobody's willing to step up. I mean, we, we're not going to attack them here. I just want to hear what they have to say. Because if that's actually happening, I want to fix it, i got to yeah. tell you. So I'm sorry I'm out of time today. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking more. Appreciate you coming on. Always enjoy talking you to you, Shawaski. Take care. Always. Coming right back buddy. in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. Well, someone here said, I'm part of the good old boy system. (laughs) Between the IHL board and MCC, the Community College Board, there are six members that donated $155,000 plus. Is that each? Each? Curious. You just told on yourself with a lotto board. It's not about people electing the boards. It's about reforming the pay-to-play system. The structure is good old boy. If Dems in Washington played by the same system, you could be pulling your hair out. No offense, sir, but you can't see the good old boy system that you're a part of. Well, let me set the record here straight on this, because this person accused me of something related to my lottery board appointment. I was appointed by Governor Phil Bryant. So, I uh, I tell the truth. And the truth is, I didn't ask for that appointment. What little amount of money I gave to Phil Bryant was not to be appointed to the lottery board. Which, by the way, happened in 2018. I didn't do that. He was termed out. I didn't give money to get that appointment. I didn't request it. I got called out of the blue one day. And I had two questions. This was from the governor's chief of staff. Two questions. One, is this a compensated position? Answer, no. Two, will the Mississippi Lottery Corporation receive any taxpayer funding? Answer, no. I said, okay, I'm in. If the answer to either of those questions would have been yes, I would have declined. That's what you call good old boy system? I got to tell you, by law, on that board, we had to meet monthly for the first 18 months. But the reality is, members of the board and the first partner we hired, which was our law firm and others, we met constantly. We were building a $500 million company from scratch constantly during that period of time for no compensation. 
I didn't even spend the time to file the stupid paperwork to get the $40 per diem. They finally made me take it, like after a year and a half. So I really don't appreciate that because it's not true. You know why I was appointed to the lottery board? It's a real simple answer. Because what do you think the lottery is? It's one giant computer. And they needed somebody that had some business sense and some technology proficiency. That's why I got appointed. And I established a relationship with Phil Bryant when he was Auditor Phil Bryant. And you know why that was? Because we built a system that allowed folks in Mississippi to renew their car tags and pay their property taxes online. It's called Mississippi One Stop. By the way, it costs the taxpayers zero. No charge. A very small, like, buck-and-a-half convenience fee. That just covered cost. We lost money on the deal, honestly. We just did it because we thought it was necessary to move Mississippi forward. And the auditor, Phil Bryant, was big time behind it because he understood the efficiencies that could be achieved with electronic systems and automation in government. And this was done at the county level. So we traveled around the counties pitching them on this. Now, just so you'll know, I ain't given a dime to Phil Bryant as an auditor, a lieutenant governor, any of that. So you're just wrong, 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 dude. Or I don't know, this could be a female. We don't really know. Appointments are part of the power structure of being an executive in government, a high-level leader. That's just the way it works. You don't like that? Change it. Vote for people who will change it. Talk to them about it. Tell them. But I just had to set the record straight on that. I don't need any of that. I don't get anything out of that except donation of a whole bunch of time and talent for nothing. I'm happy to do it. I consider that public service. What am I missing there? Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. He has said particular 14 times, let's start a drinking game. I think he's referring to Shawaski. You know, I, I don't think that Mr. Young and I align to a great extent philosophically on the role of government and the needs uh, of government, I should say, public policy. But I, I'll say this for the guy. He's willing to come on this program. There are a lot, Rhino, and you know this, that won't. You know that. You're shaking your head. You know oh, yeah. they won't. He'll come on. I can't remember to... the last time Congressman Benny Thompson was on the airwaves. Well, come here. I'd love for him to sit right in that chair. And we would treat him, of course, just as we do everybody else, with respect and let them talk. But I would certainly ask him the tough questions about policy that he supports. And, and Mr. Young, I share his view. We, we want fair elections. We want elections that are steeped with integrity. We just want the right outcome. All of us do. There are different opinions on what that elections process ought to look like. But what we hear so often out of Democrats is is this notion of widespread 
voter suppression. I just want to find somebody that would come forward and say, yep, I, I went, I tried to vote, they wouldn't let me. I tried to register, they wouldn't let me. I want to hear that. So I want somebody to say, what do you mean? They, you couldn't get in the door? They wouldn't give you a ballot? You went to the circuit clerk's office and they wouldn't let you register? What does that mean? I need some details, some specifics, some real-life examples. And if that were verified, if they were willing to come forward and say that, we're going to go talk to the people who were engaged in such suppression. Because that's not right. Nobody supports that. Nobody here does. I've never heard any Republican say, yeah, we're going to win by suppressing the vote. Never heard that. What am I missing there? We, we've got to... We've got to debate what is factual. And I appreciate what Mr. Young says. Maybe he's heard that from some folks. I mean, I, I think I heard him right that he's talked to some people who are, seem to be a little confused as to whether or not they even have the right to vote. Did, did Is that the way you heard it as well, Rhino? Did I, did I miss something there? Yeah, and the only group of Mississippians that I can think of that it might be confusing is if you have been convicted of a felony. Because okay. there is a list of disqualifying felonies, I believe it's 22 or 23 offenses long, where if you're convicted of that felony by a jury of your peers or a court of law, then you're disqualified from voting for life. There are other felonies that if you are convicted in a court of law, you can get expunged after the certain period of time, and you can get your right to vote back. But if it's on the list of 23 disqualifying felonies... You're disenfranchised. Okay. But the number of actual Mississippians that fall under that umbrella depends on who you're asking. Well, you know what? Don't commit felonies. Then you ain't got no troubles. I don't have any sympathy there. I really don't. I'm so sick of the folks who do all the bad stuff. It's like they're the victims. And the true victims, we vilify them in this country. It's upside down, man. It just is. I've been paying a lot of attention to these business owners, mainly in other parts of the country, that have kind of had to take it upon themselves to protect their dang businesses. I'm talking about from daily crime. It's ridiculous. We just look the other way. We decriminalize crime. And then we justify it under some twisted guise of equity. You don't have any right to somebody else's property. That's ridiculous. We can't have a functioning society like that, ever. You're hurting everybody. That's what they don't get. Jerry in Waynesboro says, I'd be pissed you can't even play the lottery. (laughs) Very true. And Chris from Oxford on the ceasefire text line reminds us that there are certain nonviolent and non-drug-related felonies where you don't lose your voting rights at all. You don't have to get it expunged or anything. Okay. So, yeah, it's really just the Mississippians that have been convicted in a court of law of a list of 22 or 23 offenses that takes away the right to vote. Thomas and Greenwood makes a point. Those felons, they are felons, pardon me, and not admitting they are felons. It's simple. That could be the case. You may have a good point there. By the way, we just got word that uh, State Senator Chris McDaniel 
has announced, he just uh, did, that he's a candidate for lieutenant governor. I also received a text from Melanie Sojourner, Senator Sojourner, explaining or uh, giving more color about her Senate resolution on prohibition to run for office if you're 75. We'll explain when we come back. Thanks. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. into this final segment here on uh, Middays. We are back in the Element Well Studios in this, of course, the final segment uh, coming up next, Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews. But appreciate Senator Melanie Sojourner for clarifying her resolution. I didn't dig in it, uh, into it uh, in, in great detail and analyze, but she, she just uh, clarified that we, our suspicion was right that this would not apply to this session or this um, election, that the, the resolution, if it passed, would be on the ballot in this upcoming election. So it would not it, it would not uh, bar Lieutenant Governor Hoseman for, uh, from running as a candidate for Lieutenant Governor because he would be 75 at the time of the election. She just said she felt like that uh, – she just made it clear it would not affect anyone running uh, for office in this, this coming election. She says she's offered numerous bills over the years trying to strengthen and improve our election laws. This is just another one of those efforts. She has concerns about cognitive abilities of, of candidates and elected officials and specifically referenced our president. Joe Biden, I think a lot of people share in her views on that, but I, I did wanted to, I did want to clarify, and I appreciate the senator for texting in. Dave says those who do not render public service fail to understand why someone else would and does. And yeah, I mean, I, I apologize for getting a little, little fired up about that, but I just felt like that the truth needed to be known. That's what we really try to do here on the show. May not agree with what we say. But we try to just be brutally honest, brutally honest. And in this particular case, that issue pertains to me specifically. I don't know what this good old boy crap is, honestly. But, yeah, at all levels of government, when folks get elected to higher office, where that office has the power to appoint, they're generally going to appoint the people that, Support them that align with their worldview. That's why we elected them. And Moe's on the ceasefire text line had a great point. He says, so someone's upset the governor appoints people he knows and likes? Exactly. What do they expect him to do? Appoint people he's never heard of? How do you do that? Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. 
Reese Clarksdale says, Gerard, if you have political ambitions, time is catching up on you. Yeah, I, well, I, I hear you, Reese. You're trying to say you're old? Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to say. I, I'm proud and happy to report I've never felt better. And uh, I um, thank God for that, for good health, good physical and mental health. And I uh, continue to pray that God will lead me in the right direction. He says, um, Sam from Mount Hermon says, Hello, Gerard. I agree with you. The only thing to get out of serving on the board is knowing that you put Mississippi first, and that is the best satisfaction one gets. Thanks, Sam from Mount Hermon. I appreciate that, Sam. I, it, there, there weren't any ulterior motives, and, you know, I wasn't, and I don't look for any favors from that. Certainly didn't enrich myself by serving on this board that pays nothing. And uh, and it's awful. A lot of folks that serve on all these non-compensated boards, it's all the same. I mean, they do it for that purpose. It's not like you wield any special power. You happen to be uh, charged with governing and overseeing the operation of what is a $500 million company. That's the end of the day what it's all about. Um, and I'd I happen to bring a little experience to the table in that regard. So I think that uh, hopefully we can put that to bed. It's, it wasn't about being in good stead with the uh, governor from a donation perspective. It was because I think he looked in his Rolodex of people that that understood technology and how it might play in establishing the lottery, and he knows that I happen to align with him politically, and also have that other experience, and it made sense. That's exactly how it happened. The governor, Phil Bryan, also shared with me, and I got I gained a lot of respect for him from this. Right now, he said about 250 people did, in fact, contact him and say, I'd like to be on the board of the lottery. And he said those were the first people he eliminated. Like him or not, it's pretty wise of him. He knew. Hmm. Also, um, Malcolm from Tishomingo says, thanks for what you do and what you represent for a conservative voice in the state of Mississippi. Appreciate that. I really do, Malcolm. Thank you very much. So we got Senator Chris McDaniel now in the race for lieutenant governor. That's the big news here, uh, certainly from a state perspective of the day. But we're out of time. Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews up next. We thank you so much for joining us. Until tomorrow, stay safe and God bless. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.